Pirates and Piracy by Oscar Hermann. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pirates and Piracy, a lecture by Oscar Hermann. The limitations of a lecture will not permit the discussion of the subject upon an extended scope, nor will it allow a more than cursory review of the general doings, adventures, and methods of pirates in general, leaving the historical treatment for another occasion. The Latin word piratia defines the crime, answering to robbery on land, with the distinction that it is committed upon the high seas or navigable waters generally. The law of nations has defined it as the taking of property from others by open violence, with intent to steal, and without lawful authority, on the sea, and, with the stringency arising from the ever-growing depredations and the community of interests of the civilized world, the crime was made punishable by death, and jurisdiction was recognized in that country into whose ports the pirate may be carried. Piracy flourished in its reckless dare-devilry and wanton lawlessness about one hundred and fifty years ago, its most productive operations being confined to the Spanish main, over whose vast paths the newly discovered wealth and hidden treasures of the new world were carried. The unprotected state of commerce permitted these piratical invasions with immunity, and thus allowed this nefarious trade to flourish and develop unchecked and uncontrolled. By reason of this, the lawless element of the community was encouraged and allured by the visions of fabulous riches, with the attendant excitement incident to its capture. Pirates, as a class, were principally outlaws, social outcasts, or longshoremen of a desperate and brutal character, who deemed it the more enjoyable, the more hazardous their undertaking, and who considered it safer to maraud on the high seas than upon land, in constant fear of the minions of the law. But not all pirates were of this character. Some, not inherently vicious nor absolutely depraved, had adopted this lawless calling by reason of some stigma which deprived them of their social position, others by reason of their indolence, and others from sheer necessity, who found in their dire distress the justification for the dangerous step. Whenever a band of these men had determined upon their new enterprise, they immediately seized some available ship in the shore waters, which was frequently accomplished by two or three approaching in a rowboat in the guise of purchasers of merchandise. As a rule, a vessel, when in shore waters, is inadequately protected by guards, and thus the pirates, finding the deck in their control, would overcome the watch and, with drawn pistols and threats of death, proceed to make them helpless prisoners." With practical control of the vessel thus assured, some of the number would stand sentry at the hatchways, while a signal to the shore brought the reinforcement of their comrades in crime. Should the captured crew show remonstrance or any intimation of resistance, the swords, cutlasses, and heavy chains were most effective as a quietus, and thus, with sails all set and flying the flag of the home port as a mantle to their knavery, they sailed forth to some small town in search of provisions, to dispose of their merchandise, release their prisoners, or, as frequently happened, maroon them upon some desolate island, and thus equipped and provisioned, with magazines ammunitioned, they set forth in search of prey. Not infrequently the vessel captured would prove too small and insufficient for marauding expeditions upon the high seas, and unable to give battle or a spirited chase to a sturdy merchantman. 
In such event, their operations were confined to the coastline, and the harbors, which had been located by spies as having richly laden vessels ready for the outward journey, and, having ascertained the date of departure, the ship's complement, its possible fighting strength, and its destination, a close watch was set, avoiding, however, all cause for suspicion, and, with lights extinguished, the careful, silent watch was kept till the midnight hour." As eight bells rang out upon the darkness, and the unsuspecting sailor keeping the midnight watch looked blankly into the night, several rowboats with occupants armed to the teeth would be lowered, and without a splash ride the waters over which they glided, carrying the sea-robbers to the grim sides of their intended prey. In many cases the decks, by reason of the fancied security afforded by the harbour, would be deserted, and, taking advantage of this opportunity, the attacking party quickly leap over the sides, and, under the noiselessly given commands of their captain, creep stealthily to the hatchways, cautiously taking their positions so that no miscalculations might frustrate their designs. And so, invading below decks, with weapons poised and every fibre on the alert, the concerted attack upon the sleeping victims would be given— with one fell swoop, and with the savagery born of their nefarious undertaking, the crew would be ruthlessly butchered, some few, perhaps, escaping in the general skirmish and fleeing up the gangway, only to be struck down by the villain on guard. For the present we will close our eyes to the awful picture of torture and murder here enacted, to revert to it upon a subsequent occasion." With the crew slain, gagged, or in chains, with all possible resistance overcome, the coming of the day was awaited and as the first faint streaks of grey broke in upon the darkness of the night, and the harbingers of the dawn sent their shafts athwart the horizon, the shift rode proudly at her anchor, silently and stately, giving no indication of the carnage of the night. The creaking of the chain around the capstan was but the mariner's music to sing the glory of the voyage to be begun, and so, without creating the least suspicion in the vessels lying round about, the captors brought their prize abreast their old vessel, transferred their stock of provisions and merchandise, if any, to the newly captured vessel, and, thus prepared, sailed grandly out of the harbour. When once again the breadth of the ocean bellied their sails, and sped them on to the unknown argosy, the dead, vanished crew was rudely cast into the sea, without the semblance of respect for the dead, the decks thoroughly scrubbed, the scuppers flushed, the inventory prepared, and so, once again, the course was set for a port in which to dispose of their cargo. The argus-eyed lookout stationed far up in the foremast scanned every point of the far-reaching horizon, signalling to his mates the appearance of a spar against the heavens. Then, with course changed and wheel set, and sped on by conspiring winds, they bore down upon the unfortunate vessel, displaying at the proper moment the ominous and fateful black flag and its ghastly emblem of skull and crossbones. Thus, for months, perhaps, the fitful winds and steady currents carried them hither and thither, ever alert, ever ready for combat and plunder. With guns primed and powder-horns stocked, these plunderers roamed the trackless sea, at times with impatience and drooping hopes, until the sight of a large, heavily riding merchantman set their blood a-leaping, and transformed the deck into a scene of feverish activity. If we recall the peaceful errand of the merchantmen, and reflect that their armature was little calculated to cope with the war-waging outlaws, it is quite apparent how gross the inequality of the struggle must necessarily be. While most of the merchantmen carried defensive armament, the unpractised, unskilled crew made the guns in their hands little more than ineffective. 
As the pirate ship approached, she displayed the same flag flying from the stern of the merchantman, and with the crew hidden below decks in order not to betray their purpose, the vessels approached sufficiently close to enable the pirates to fire a broadside into the unsuspecting vessel and demand immediate surrender. At times a vessel, by reason of its superiority, would succeed in outsailing the pirates, but frequently the result was most disastrous. Often a stout-hearted merchantman, seeing that capture was inevitable, would offer battle in desperation, firing volley after volley of stone-shot. The pirates, stubborn, furious, tenacious, fighting with all the ferocity their natures were capable of, resulting, after a decisive contest, in the lowering of the merchantman flag in disgrace and humiliation. With the lowering of the sails as an indication of surrender, the pirates sent out several boats with armed men, under the command of a chosen leader, who at once placed the captain under arrest and demanded the ship's papers under pain of death. This request was usually, though unwillingly, acceded to. The old vessel was thereupon dismantled, the captured boat refitted, and, burning the hull of the forsaken vessel, the pirates once more set sail, with the imprisoned captain and crew in chains cast into the dark, foul hold of the ship. Immunity was sometimes granted the captives upon their taking the oath of allegiance to the piratical horde. Can we not imagine how the intense anguish and unendurable torture finally forced from the unwilling lips the fearful avowal of allegiance? We can plainly observe the purpose of the pirates in endeavouring to capture a large, powerful, and speedy vessel, for that was the only safeguard of their barbarous trade. They readily recognised that success and security depended solely upon speed to overtake a fleeing ship or to escape a powerful adversary. Their motto, he who fights and runs away may live to fight another day, was in reality the only literature the bold and adventurous pirate would comprehend or accept. Therefore, well equipped in a staunch, trim vessel, with the lockers filled, the magazines stocked, the guns aimed and ready for action, they were brave enough to combat even a man of war. The books are replete with the thrilling accounts of engagements and set battles waged by pirates and resisting armed merchantmen, resulting completely in victory for the black flag, which so defiantly floated from the mizzenmast. The gradual process and growth of the energetic sea-robbers, from the looting of vessels riding peacefully at anchor in the harbours, to the management of large and seaworthy craft, permitting them to undertake long and seemingly endless cruises, the most daring of which being undertaken, no doubt, by that notorious chieftain, Captain Nathaniel North, who cruised from Newfoundland to the West Indies, then across the southern Atlantic to the Cape of Good Hope, thence via Mozambique to the Indian Ocean, and northward to the Red Sea, traversing the same track to the Arabian Sea and East Indies, a voyage of 28,670 miles, the toy of the monsoon, the victim of the typhoon, and the sport of the trade winds in the many latitudes. History has reserved a rather infamous niche for such freebooters as Thomas Howard, Captain Misson, Captain Fly, and Captain Kidd, whose voyages and exploits have given themes to the historian, the narrator, and the novelist. It was during these long cruises that the coast towns suffered through the depredations, plundering, and pillage, and the inhabitants put in constant fear of these sudden and vicious onslaughts. Not infrequently the pirates selected some desolate locality in which to bury their treasures and store their stolen goods, generally building a village inland well hidden in the foliage of the forests or tropical shrubbery, and perhaps inaccessible save through the devious paths cunningly planned to secure immunity from attack. 
these natural defences were supplemented with a series of forts as a further protection from the incursions of the natives the internecine wars so fiercely waged by the inhabitants of the african east coast frequently brought the vanquished to these villages to secure protection a safety usually given in exchange for practical slavery in tilling the ground and cultivating crops from time almost immemorial the word pirate has been synonymous with all that is villainous bloodthirsty and cruel and capture by a gang of these assassins meant indescribable torture and suffering and we will devote a few moments to consideration of these awful scenes the sudden attacks the vain attempts at flight the desperate hand-to-hand struggles for life mingled with the brutal yells interspersed with the piteous cries for mercy followed by the horrible silence which finally settles over the slippery decks and the gruesome spectacle of the dreadful vandalism as the murders proceed to strip their victims generally after a successful attack the captain of the unfortunate vessel would be placed in chains and questioned as to the cargo and treasures of his ship a cutlass held menacingly over him indicated the danger of untruth and frequently a savage gash brought a stubborn and silent captain to submission inquisitorial tortures unrelieved by any mock civility were continued to extract further confessions from the pain-racked prisoners devices born only of a devilish instinct and fiendish delight suggested all forms of suffering and so the captain was frequently tied to the ship's pump and surrounded with burning combustibles or fastened to the deck surrounded with gunpowder which they ignited or his limbs were severed from his body and his flesh prodded with the points of a cutlass the fiendish pirates forming a circle around him for this inhuman sport despite these awful tortures confessions were often suppressed in the hope that the pirates would allow the vessel to proceed on its way as was sometimes the case and thus a part of the treasures be saved but all hope of succour or consideration at the hands of these murderers was idle unsatisfied with the mere acquisition of booty these human devils devoid of the last spark of compassion would mete out to each member of the crew and the passengers the most unheard-of tortures which human depravity could invent for the amusement of the captors some were tied to a windlass and pelted into insensibility or perhaps more charitable death others were lashed with ropes and cast almost dead into the sea or spiked hand and foot to the deck were exposed mercilessly to the hot rays of the sun until the features were distorted into unrecognizability some were placed before a gun and thus decapitated while others were tied back to back and thrown into the waters in fact so low were these villainous wretches in their degradation that only the most cruel and cunning devised torture could satiate their bloodthirsty cravings human hyenas who found rest only in the pain and shrieks of other mortals by far the most favourite pastime was to make the victim walk the plank or hang him to the yard-arm a suggestion of the retribution suffered by the pirates when captured no word-picture can present the awful orgies indulged in by these social outcasts who continued their carnage assault and abuse until the last victim had succumbed then directing their attention to the ship it was quietly dismantled set adrift or frequently burned to the water's edge allowing the hull to float about a rudderless derelict one must not form the impression however that this reckless lawlessness was attended with insubordination or lack of discipline on the contrary they were rigorously governed by an iron hand and the unwritten code of honour a pirate entered upon the account a term meaning piracy by taking the oath of fealty to the cause abjuring all social ties pledging himself never to desert his ship or defraud his comrades or steal anything belonging to his fellows 
having thus bound him by an oath firm and dreadful in its maldiction upon any violation of its terms the organization is completed by the selection of a captain who usually is the strongest bravest and most desperate of them all well calculated to keep the crew in subjection mutiny and the spirit of insubordination frequently raised its ominous growl to be quelled only by the fearlessness of the captain and his ability to keep his men in abject fear of his commands it held the men in the thralls of hypnotism and in its efficaciousness depended the safety of the captain and his loyal adherence with some crews the title captain did not convey autocratic power nor dictatorial prerogatives his power to command absolutely being confined only to times of combat a usurpation of power frequently brought death as a deterrent to any aspiring successor in those cases where the captain was not recognized as the sole ruler each man had a vote in affairs of moment and had an undivided interest and title in all booty it can be readily understood how valueless the cast-iron oath of the pirate must be when occasion makes its rejection convenient and thus apparent dissatisfaction with the captain or with his commands have frequently caused those secret plottings below deck resulting in open revolt or mutiny pirate against pirate brute force matched against brute force for power and supremacy the severest punishment to a member of the crew for thieving from a fellow pirate was marooning slitting the ears and nose and depositing the offender upon some desolate island or lonely shore with but few provisions and limited ammunition life was little prized for death had no terrors and life beyond this world entered not into their calculations their fearlessness and courage was splendidly exampled when captain teach alias blackbeard appeared off charleston in the year seventeen seventeen and sent word to the governor of the colony to send out to him at once a certain number of medicine chests in failure of which the port would be blockaded by his single vessel and all persons on boarding ingoing and outgoing ships killed and their heads sent to the governor as proof of the execution of the threat he also threatened to set all ships on fire it illustrates clearly in what dread these sea marauders were held in those times when we learn that the governor immediately complied with the demands and the embargo was raised it is recorded that in moments of defeat pirates voluntarily have set fire to their powder magazines and were thus blown to destruction rather than plead for mercy during long cruises when no ships upon the horizon line varied the monotony of the daily routine pastimes were invented each one outrivaling the other in sheer wickedness captain teach considered it rare sport to lock his men in the ship's hold and then set sulphur afire to ascertain how long they could withstand asphyxiation yet his greatest bravery was displayed and herein he developed commendable spartan fortitude when he married fourteen times with a fearlessness highly worthy of a better purpose his wickedness was as great as his fearlessness was unbounded but wickedness was voted manly in a pirate and assured the esteem and admiration of his comrades with the progression of events and the growth of commerce piracy waned and gradually the black flag which had so long swept the spanish main was furled and drooped into the sea over which it had so long defiantly floated the european governments made many futile attempts to check the rapid development of the unlawful enterprise and many expeditions were successful resulting in the trial condemnation and execution of the outlaws on land 
in england a proclamation of amnesty was issued ensuring freedom and rights of citizenship to all who renounced their calling a privilege which many accepted only to find their blood fire and yield for the wild aimless and adventurous roaming on the seas which gradually drew them back to their calling and away from the restraints of civilization the capture of a pirate meant death and as no practicable defence was available the prisoners usually entrenched themselves behind the plea that they were kidnapped or shanghaied and were compelled to enter into piracy for the preservation of their lives but piracy with its harrowing gruesomeness its boldness and daring its romance and adventure its plunder and murder its conflicts and reprisals is a spectre of the past and now is chiefly confined to the rivers and harbours of the far east and north africa it has lost the glamour and enchanting romantic atmosphere which pervaded the career of captain kidd and made him the worshipped hero of every schoolboy or which inspired the pen of a scott of an edgar allan poe or frank r stockton or put the charm to the tales of w clark russell for pirates and piracy are now dead and live ingloriously only in the pages of chronicling history pirates song to the mast nail our flag it is dark as the grave o'er the death which it bears while it sweeps o'er the wave let our deck clear for action our guns be prepared be the boarding axe sharpened the scimitar bared set the canisters ready and then bring to me for the last of my duties the powder room key it shall never be lowered the black flag we bear if the sea be denied us we sweep through the air unshared have we left our last victory's prey it is mine to divide it and yours to obey there are shawls that might suit a sultana's white neck and pearls that are fair as the arms they will deck there are flasks which unseal them the air will disclose diametta's fair summers the home of the rose i claim not a portion i ask but as mine tis to drink to our victory one cup of red wine some fight tis for riches some fight tis for fame the first i despise and the last is a name i fight tis for vengeance i love to see flow at the stroke of my sabre the life of my foe i strike for the memory of long vanished years i only shed blood where another shed tears i come as the lightning comes red from above or the race that i loathe to the battle i love End of Pirates and Piracy by Oscar Herman. Read by Jean Bascom, Potomac, Maryland.